We are to live by faith and not by sight, but sometimes we try to live on our own strengths. God says, have faith. The righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. I hope you enjoyed this series as Pastor Terry brings a teaching where we can grow our faith. Here's Pastor Terry. We serve a good God. Oh, we do. You know, for the last eight weeks, we have been talking about spiritual armor. It's no mistake, I planned it that way intentionally. As we move into the fall, I wanted to spend the summer talking about getting ourselves built up spiritually for the war, the battle that each and every one of us face every day of our lives. We need to be reminded that the battle is out there. The battle is not with flesh and blood. And we have seen the belt of truth that gets wrapped around us, the truth that is Jesus Christ. We have spoken and talked about the breastplate of Christ's righteousness. It imputes it upon us. So when the, when the Father looks down, he sees Jesus living in us. We've seen the shoes of peace and how we not only have peace with God, we have the peace of God in our lives, which allows us to stand firm when those difficulties come our way. We have the shield of faith because we know that the world is a discouraging place. Fiery arrows of discouragement come all the time from the regular things of this world and from Satan himself. But because we have the shield of faith, because God is faithful to us, we can ward off all of those fiery arrows. We have the helmet of salvation that protects our mind when Satan attacks us with doubt and with guilt and with shame. The helmet of salvation assures us that we belong to God. It assures us that we are His. And it assures us that He is defeated. And we have the powerful sword of the Spirit, the two-edged sword, which is God's Word, that can lead us and guide us, no matter what comes our way. Also, this last month, as I said a few moments ago, we've been talking about prayer. And we talked about that last week as well. We're in a season, a month of intense prayer about our church. Because you who are regular tenders know we're going through a rebuilding, a replanting. We're asking God, and we dare not go forward without asking God where he wants us. Asking him for his vision. Show us, Lord, what you want us to become. We have a history, a good history, an exciting history of watching God do some marvelous things. But there's still so much more ahead. God is not a God of the past. God is a God of the future, always moving us forward. So as individuals and as churches, we're praying together, seeking what God wants us to become. That's why we're gathered together tomorrow at Dunkin' Donuts over in Griffin. And um, what is that? Griffin and Weston. Thank you so much. Griffin and Weston Road. Because we believe in the power of prayer. But over these next four weeks, I want to talk to you about building our faith. Now that we have our spiritual armor, we can, we're prepared, we're ready. Let's build our faith. Talk about uh, believing that God can do something that without him, it would be impossible. What does God want to show us? What does he want to implant into us? What does he want to impart and give to us? What could be so, so incredible, so big, that we couldn't possibly do it without him? The Bible tells us in Mark eleven twenty two that Jesus said to his disciples, Have faith in God. We are to live by faith and what? Not by sight. Habakkuk 2, 4 says, Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Faith is to be the daily lifestyle 
of the believer. And, and here's my goal over these next four weeks. My goal is to implant with us faith and a goal and objective to do something so big, so wild for God, that months and years later you look back upon these next four weeks and say, that's where it began. That's where it started. That's where the dream began. It was right back then. So we're going to spend some time talking about faith. A pastor in Oklahoma called Greg Rochelle, he's a pastor of a large church out there. He says, we want to be, when describing faith, he says, we want to be faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. We want to be, seek God for the impossible. We want to believe God for miracles. We want to dream that God would do exceedingly, abundantly more in our lives. Isn't that what we want out of our lives? We want God to do big things for us. The biggest thing God does is what happened this afternoon when three young people come to know Jesus Christ. doesn't get any bigger than that. doesn't get any, any better than that. Philip Yancey, he describes faith like this. He says, faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. That's so good, i got to say that again. Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. See, the world says seeing is believing. But our Lord says that believing is seeing. We believe first. We believe, therefore we see. By faith we see things that are invisible to others. Not because of us, but because of our Lord in our Savior. By faith, we believe in advance those things that right now make no sense to us at all. But we believe by faith. Well, how do we become people of faith? What does that look like? Well, I'm going to begin with a story, a story that I'm sure most of you know. A story of what not to do. Sometimes it's good to start with what not to do. And you remember the story. Moses has now freed the Israelites from 400 years of slavery. He's, he's led them across the Red Sea. They've received the Ten Commandments. He's led them right up to the Promised Land. It's been a journey, been a long journey. And he's right there, and God has promised that they'll cross over the Jordan River in the Promised Land. So Moses sends out 12 spies for 40 days. Go in there and, and check it out. See See what it looks like and come back and give us a report. Well, in Numbers 13, 27 through 33, this is a report that those 12 spies come back and give to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and indeed is a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is some of the fruit it produces. But, but... I'm going to circle that but right there. But, they say, the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak, the Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Shebuzites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. 
So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. After 40 days, the spies come back confirming what God had told them. Indeed, it was a bountiful land. It was a great land, flowing with all kinds of crops, with milk and honey. But nevertheless, despite all that, the opposition is just so large. We feel like grasshoppers. Despite God's promise, the people who dwell on the land are strong. Their cities are fortified. The land has no vacancies. We don't have a prayer. What are we going to do? What if you were one of those 12 spies? Would you have been one of the 10? Or would you have been one of the two? Would you have been one of the ten that saw the obstacles? Or would you have been one of the two, as Caleb and Joshua were? We can surely, surely take this land. Not because of anything that we can do, but because of the God we serve. You know, there are three faith-filled facts. And in your life, you have giants in your life. All of us have a promised land. And all of us have giants that are standing in the way of our promised land. And there are three things in our prom- that are in, in our way, always getting away. If we want to live individually or as a church, we want to be a faith-filled, risk-taking, bar-nothing believer. Here's the first one. You might want to write these down. These are good. They're not mine. That's why they're good. Anyways, you cannot play it safe and please God. You cannot play it safe and please God. Hebrews 11.6 tells without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. There's one of those words again. Not much room for misinterpretation there. Without faith, it's not unlikely, not improbable. It's impossible to please God. You see this, if you can do everything in your power, if you know how everything in your life is going to work out, you don't have faith. And your dreams and your goals are too small. They're not God dreams. Because you can do them. You can do them. If you know all the steps, if you can list them all there, those aren't things from God. Those are things that you have placed there. God, what God wants to do is minor, is bigger, is greater than all. You cannot play it safe and please God. You know, faith is messy. You know that? Faith is messy. Here's what I mean. Sometimes I have a lot of faith. Right? Are you with me? Sometimes I feel like, man, let's, let's go, God, you and me, let's do it. I have lots of faith. And sometimes, maybe you're like me, and sometimes my faith is full of doubt. Sometimes, wow, what was I thinking? And sometimes I'm ready to go, kind of like Elijah was, standing on Mount Carmel, calling down fire from heaven. Just a couple days later, Elijah's running for his tail because his faith has weaned. It's not as great. Kind of like, we're kind of like that. Faith is messy. It's kind of hard to have faith in an unseen God. It's messy. And here's why it's messy. And here's why it's difficult. And here's why it, rain, why it, why it wanes on us. Because faith, listen carefully, always involves risk. 
faith always involves risk. And let's be honest. I mean, if we can agree on one thing, let's be honest. None of us like risk. Why? Because risk means potential failure. And who here wants to be a failure? Raise your hand. I'm looking forward to being a failure. Yeah, probably not too many of us. But risk always is involved in faith. Faith always includes risk. And we have that fear of failure. Hey, the scriptures are full, but there is no better illustration of this. No better illustration of faith, risk, and failure than Peter. I mean, he is the ultimate example of what I'm talking about. Peter had faith, Matthew 14, 28. Then Peter called to him, called to Jesus. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. That's faith. Man, if it's you, Lord, it's impossible. I can't walk on the water, but if it's you, I can come. I can be there. That's faith, right? That's faith. So Peter took a risk. What does he do? He has faith. Faith involves risk. He takes the risk. He gets out of the boat. And lo and behold, he's walking on the water. Can you imagine? I mean, walking on the water. There's a rock star. He's really walking on the water. Faith, risk, and now failure. Because what does he do? I'm really walking on the water. This, this is frightening. And so what happens? I sink. I sink. Why? Because now I take my eyes off of Jesus. But here's what I want you to take from there. And you all heard that story many, many times. Here's what I want you to take. Peter actually walked on the water. The rest of them stayed in the boat. Peter, did he fail? Absolutely, he failed. But he actually walked on the water. Wow, you know what? I'd like to walk on the water. I'd like to walk on the water. Because he was willing to take the risk. He wasn't willing. The other 11 were playing it safe. They saw Jesus. They heard Jesus. They heard Peter say the same thing. If they had said, hey, Lord, can we come on to you too? I'm assuming Jesus would have said, absolutely, come on out. But only Peter was willing to take the risk. And, it, and he failed. But the Lord saved him. But he walked on the water. You cannot play it safe and please God. You can never let the fear of failure stop you from doing what God calls you to do. And there will always be some risk of failure. But it's in that risk that we begin to know who God is. Can I walk on the water? I don't know. I'm never going to find out until I what? Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. I have faith. There's my Lord and Savior. I know He can do it. He's already doing it. Am I willing to take that risk? Am I willing to get out of the boat? Now, don't misunderstand, because this is important. Faith is not a blind leap of faith. Faith is not just jumping out there. Hey, I think I can fly, so I'm going to jump up a building. That's not faith. Faith is always founded on what? Faith is always foundational on God's Word. Faith is always based upon the promises of God. Peter had faith. He, he could accept the risk. Because he could see Jesus. He knew Jesus was there. Foundational truth of the word. Everything, our faith, must be built on the word of God. God says, I will lead you. Faith says, I will follow. 
God says, I will meet your need. Faith says, I'll trust you. God says, he promises, I will never leave you. I will never leave you, forsake you. God promises. Faith says, I believe you. I believe you. That's faith. It's not just blind faith. It's faith, listen carefully, built upon the promises of God. It's faith built upon the promises of God. Yeah, we cannot play it safe and please God. Here's the second thing. As long as you have a, as long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. As long as you know the outcome, as long as it's guaranteed, there's no faith involved there. Hebrews 11.1. 1, faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. What we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. As long as you have a guarantee, and honestly, we want a guarantee. I mean, guarantees are good things, right? You buy a product, you want a guarantee. I want a guarantee this is going to work. As long as you have a guarantee, there's no faith. It's kind of like this. I don't even know, you know, I've been out of school for so long that, you know, I don't even know how it works anymore. But back when I was in second and third grade, and that was a long time ago, I mean a long time ago, we used to have this thing where the girls and the, the boys and the girls, we used to go together. Did they still do that? Did they still go together? I don't know if they do or not. But back then, we went together. It was kind of funny because nobody ever really went anywhere. And they never really went together. But we called it, hey, I'm going with her. I'm going with him. But we wanted, we, that was a risk when you were in second or third grade. And you wanted to lessen that risk. So here's what you did. And some of you who are closer to my age, you can know this is true and you'll testify to it. You get a piece of paper. And you say, Janie, do you like me? Check yes or no. And then you get your friend, because it's too risky to do it yourself. So you get your friend, and you fold it up, and you give it to somebody else, probably Janie's friend, who gives it to Janie, who Janie marks it, gives it back to your friend, and gives it back to you. That's what I did. You know, Janie, do you like me? Yes or no? Well, one time it came back, and it had a third box. It said, maybe. I was confused. What do you mean, maybe? What, what does that mean? Do you like me? Yes, no, or maybe. Well, you know what? That's kind of like faith. Am I going to walk on this water? Yes or no? Well, maybe. Wow. You know, maybe. That's why faith is messy. That's why faith doesn't have guarantees. You know, the reality is that we're dealing with an unseen God. And sometimes his answer is maybe. Sometimes it's maybe. Because we have to take those steps. Is, it, is this really going to happen, God? Is it really you? How do I know? He says, you just got to step up in faith. And honest, honestly, that's scary. That's frightening. Who wants to do that? I might sink. I might drown. Some of us have to let go of our security, our guarantees, and step out in faith, trusting that God will be there. When Peter failed, when he went into the water, what did he do? He was a wise man. He cried out, God, help me. And what did Jesus do? Oh, you're a failure. See you later. No, that's what God did. What did he do? What did Jesus do? He picked him back up. He picked him back up. Don't you think that when we step out in faith, if we lose our faith and we go down, don't you think when we cry out, he'll do the same thing? Absolutely. But you see, sometimes, because it's maybe... What is God waiting for us for? 
Well, here's what we all want. We want to know step two, three, four, and five. We want to know, okay, how, how am I going to get there? Show me all the steps. And God says, no, 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 no. All I'm going to show you is the first step. And that is maybe. And that's frightening. Because in order to see the second step, what do you have to do? You have to take the first step. And the first step is frightening. Because it's risky. It's risky. And it might result in failure. Maybe there's someone at work, and you feel that God is talking to you. You know, I want you to go and speak to that person. Okay, Lord, what, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to speak to that person. They're going to love you. You're going to have a long conversation. They're going to give their heart to me, and you're going to feel great. Wow, let's go do it. It doesn't work like that. God puts a burden on your heart. There's someone he wants you to talk to. You're nervous. Maybe he'll reject you. Maybe he'll accept you. Maybe he'll get perturbed with you. What do you do? Well, the only way to find out is to walk by faith and say, Hey, can we have a conversation? Can we talk? That's risky. That's risky. What's going to happen? You know, maybe you want to go on a mission trip. Maybe you feel God calling you to go on a mission, go to, to another country, or, or a mission trip even in your neighborhood, whatever it is. The only way that you're going to know if it's yes or no is to take that first step because God does not deal with us when it comes to faith in guarantees. He doesn't do that. He just gives us just what we need to know. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, we have to keep our face, our eyes, straight ahead on Jesus. I've told this story many, many times. I won't tell it again. But, you know, we have to keep our face on, the, on, the, on Jesus who's very, right in front of us. So when he turns left, we turn left. When he turns right, we turn right. And wherever, wherever he goes, we go. We don't know the destination, but we know the one who is in front of us. How important is that? Here's the third thing about faith. To step, to step toward your destiny, to step toward what God has for you to do, you have to step away from your security. To step toward your destiny, destiny being what God is calling you to do, you have to step away from your security. Hmm. As I said earlier, every promised land that God has taken you to, whatever the promised land that is, all of us have promised lands. All of us have a place that God has taken us to. Every one of them, there are going to be giants there. And usually they fall into the same three categories. The giant of unbelief, the giant of fear, and the giant of comfort and complacency. You know, Moses didn't tell, and God didn't tell the spies to go and check out the land to see if it was, to see if it was valid, to see if it was good enough. He already had given them the land. They were just going there to verify it. He, he, they weren't supposed to check it out. He had already given it to them. But they were so blown away by the size of the people and the obstacles that were there, they, they said, there's, there's no way that we can do this. And you know, they were right. They were right. There's no way. But God never had an intention of them taking over the land without his help. It was God who was going to fight for them. It was God who had promised to give them the land. But their fears were so great. Happens to you and I too. God calls us to do something. And we see the obstacle. It's, it's huge. It's big. There's no way that we can accomplish that. 
And you're right, we can't. But with God's help, we can accomplish anything. You see, actually, the Israelites said, man, we're like grasshoppers, when in truth, it was the occupants of the promised land that were the grasshoppers. Because the Israelites had God on their side. That's why David and Goliath, that famous story, is, is so awesome. You know, all the rest of God's people see this nine-foot giant. David sees a powerful God. It's all upon our perspective. Are we afraid because we can't accomplish that? But our God can accomplish anything. So that, that unbelief, there's just no way, it turns into fear. And fear paralyzes us. And God's word tells us over and over again that we're not to be people of fear. We have nothing to fear. In fact, the word fear is used more often in the New Testament than almost any other word. Fear, fear, do not fear, do not be afraid. I am with you, do not be afraid. Because God understands this. In our lives, fear paralyzes us. Fear stops ministry. Fear stops us from becoming the people God wants us to become because we're afraid. Because of our unbelief. Just turn over to God. The same is true of our church. We can do incredible things if we stop being afraid and just trust God. Trust God. Or that third big giant in our way, and this is a biggie, and this is big where we live. You know, that giant of comfort and complacency. Because honestly, to risk and to fear and to go for it takes you out of your comfort zone, and we don't like that. I'm pretty comfortable where I am. I'm pretty set. This isn't bad. I'm not doing too bad. I just want to coast on through. And you know what? Here's our God is so awesome that if you want to just coast on through, he'll let you do that. Right straight to heaven. But you will miss blessing after blessing after blessing, and you'll miss reward after reward after reward in heaven. We as a people need to stop being afraid, become risk-takers. Yeah, might we fail? We might. Hey, those of you who have been around here for a while, has Songgrass Community Church had any failures? Absolutely, we have. Have we had some successes? Absolutely. Have we honored God in all those things? Absolutely. Has he let us down? Never. Have we gone under the water? Never. Has he always been there for us, no matter what? Always. Will he be there in the future? Absolutely. Does he want us to be risk-taking people? We're going to do big things for God? Absolutely. Absolutely. We live in a time and age, I don't need to tell you this, we live in a time and age when God is looking for people, men and women, families, churches, who will stand up and be counted. Even in our churches, the gospel message is being preached less and less and less and less. It's more of a feel-good theology. It really is. But when you talk about this, hey, I have issues. I'm a sinner. You are a sinner. But we have the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message. That's what we need to take to the world around us. The world around us is starving for the truth. And the truth is that only Jesus is the answer for each and every problem in the world today. Only Jesus. We must speak the truth, and we must speak it in love, and not be afraid. I don't care if we have 40 people or 4,000. We must speak the truth that Jesus Christ lays upon our hearts. And the truth is this. There's a mighty God. 
who has redeemed us and set us free because we are sinners not deserving of his grace. But he has given it to us anyways and we are set free and we have life eternal and we have life abundant because of what Jesus Christ has done here and now. That's the good news. That's what it takes. Faith to believe. Faith to go to your friends. Faith to start a small group. Faith to get involved, whatever God calls you to. There are some of you here, God's calling you to reach out to your family member. Maybe this is to an unsaved one. Maybe to start a small group. Maybe to do something else. I have no idea what God's calling you to do. But He's calling you to do something you can't do on your own. And we have to have faith. Be risk-taking people. Step toward our destiny by stepping away from our security. Our security is found only in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ. Now just one other thing real quickly, and that is this, that faith is not, hear me carefully because this is important, faith is not a blank check. We live in a day and time, this is why I said, where we have this name it and claim it philosophy. I believe it, I'm going to name it, I'm going to claim it, and God's going to do it. Well, hey, I'm sorry to tell you this. God is not some cosmic Santa Claus. God will do what he's promised to do. You can have faith by standing on the promises of God. But when you expect him to do as you wish, that's just being presumptuous. God has bigger things in our wish list. It's not a name-it-and-claim-it theology. We name what God has promised to do, and it's to save us and to set us free, to tell others the good news about Jesus Christ, to never leave us nor forsake us, to always be there for us. So, honestly, the challenge for you, the challenge for me, the challenge for Sawgrass Church on top of the next three or four weeks is uh, what kind of vision, what kind of faith does God want us to have? Where does he want us to go? What does he want us to do? Are we willing to step out? Are we willing to get messy? Are we willing to be one of the ones that gets out of the boat? Are we willing to be Caleb or Joshua that says, we can take the land? Or are we going to be the other 11 who's in the boat? Or are we going to be the other, uh, the other spies who say, we can't do it, there are 10? What's our destiny? What's your destiny? What do you want to do? What does God want us to do? He wants us to think big. He wants us to believe. He wants us to risk. He wants us to risk. Because he will get all the glory. So that's my challenge for us, honestly. Take steps together. Let's take the risk. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to trust God with everything. I know some of you are too. God, take whatever I have. It's yours. Take my money. Take my possessions. Take my life. It is yours. Do something bigger than we could ever do on our own. Not for our glory. Not for our attention. But for his. So we could have three and six and nine and twelve young people, old people, children being baptized, coming to know Jesus Christ. That's something worth giving your life for. That's worth something risking everything. Because when you do that, you know what? God will honor that. So let's be faith-filled, big thinking, bet the farm risk-takers for Jesus Christ.